Welcome to the Excel in Retirement Show. My name is David Treese, and I am a financial advisor with Clients Excel Financial. Our office is located in Spartanburg, South Carolina, but we work with clients all over. And I am very excited because this is our 20th episode, and we are having our very first guest on today. Sari Ibrahim will join me to talk about the infinite banking concept. Have you ever wondered if there was another way besides going to the bank to get a loan? Well, we're going to tell you how you can eliminate banks and you can bank on yourself with this strategy. Sari's going to tell you how to get a free book that will outline this strategy also. So stay tuned. Let's go to the show. Okay, with me here today is our first guest, Siri Ibrahim, and he is a financial services professional, and so we are welcoming him to our 20th episode here, our very first guest. Siri, welcome. Hey, David. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Can you tell our audience a little bit about yourself to start out with? Yeah, definitely. Um, So my name is Siri. I'm from Chicago, Illinois. Um, I started off in the insurance financial services world about five years ago. I started off mostly um, working at Allstate, uh, helping clients with more of the property and casualty side, so like auto, home, business, commercial insurance. I did that for a couple of years. Then I uh, left and went to work in the Medicare space. So I worked with some of the large insurance companies like Blue Cross, Humana, Cigna, where I was a Medicare broker. So I'd help them find Medicare plans, mainly with Medicare supplements, uh, Medicare Advantage, prescription drug plans. And I mainly worked with people who were 64, retiring from their plans and then merging onto their own plans. So leaving like employer plans, that was my main niche. And I did that for a couple of years. I really liked it. And one of my clients asked me if I could help him with life insurance. He, he asked me about if I knew anything about a life insurance policy that had like cash value growth in it. And it kind of got, caught my attention. I wasn't sure. I told him I would do more research and I would get back to him. I had my life insurance license at the time, but I just never really used it. Um, I kind of just had it in the background. And I did some research and I went to Amazon and I searched for books about life insurance. And one of the books that came up is uh, The Bank on Yourself Revolution by Pamela Yellen. Okay. And the book much talks about using cash value whole life insurance for the cash uses and then to eventually become your own source of financing. Um, so that book, I really like that book as an agent, as an advisor, and as a client. So I, I got my own bank on yourself policy, your whole life policy. And and just to be clear, uh, the policy, the, the bank on yourself concept is similar to it's the infinite banking concept. It's right. actually the same thing. It's just a different trademark, different marketing purposes. But the underlying asset, the uh, dividend paying whole life insurance policy is the same. Okay. It's pretty much structured for the cash growth. Right. What was the name of that book again? You said "Becoming Your Own Bank." Sorry, it's uh, so "Becoming Your Own Bankers" by Nelson Nash. Oh yes. But the book that I originally read is uh, "Bank on Yourself Revolution" by Pamela Yellen. Okay. Okay. And I'll put a link in the show notes to that book. If any of our listeners want to buy that on Amazon, I'll have that there. That's great. That's very interesting. That's very interesting. I myself actually entered this business by working for State Farm for a few years, or actually just a year uh, before I went to work for my dad up in North Carolina. And so I, uh, I understand that background. I do. 
Okay, great. So tell us a little bit about Infinite Banking and Bank on Yourself and, and maybe Nelson Nash. He's the uh, author of the book, the Becoming Your Own Banker. Can you tell us some info on that? Yeah, so Nelson Nash, he created or invented the Infinite Banking concept, the use of whole life insurance from a mutual insurance company or the cash growth and to essentially replace banks. Uh, so instead of going to banks or third party lenders, you can essentially go to yourself, your whole life policy to borrow from, from the policy. And he also talks about how uh, we're in a financial ecosystem, where if, for example, something on the other side of that world happens in the, in the ocean, it would affect everybody in the world, even though you can't necessarily see that, you know, the, the other side of the world, it'll affect you. The same thing with the financial ecosystems. The, the, the events that happen around the world affect you, and money for a lot of people comes in one hand and then goes out the other hand, you know, income expenses. Right. So you need to figure out a way to grip your money in between receiving it and spending it. And one of the best ways to do that is through the use of cash value whole life insurance by being able to deposit the money via premiums and then borrowing the money out via loans. Um, but the policy continues, and I can get more into this later, but the policy continues to grow as if you never touched the money. Right. So we're talking about life insurance here, permanent life insurance, and you specialize in helping people with whole life insurance. Can you tell them a little bit about what whole life insurance is and permanent life insurance? Yeah, definitely. So just like the title, it's permanent, it's for your whole life, as opposed to like a term life insurance policy. Term would be, you know, 10 year, 20 year, 30 year, it ends, it has an end date. Um, and then once it ends, there's no equity or cash value. You pretty much pay for the cost of insurance for a limited time. And that's not a bad thing. That's just the way it's explained, right? Um, and then whole life insurance would be for your whole life. Sorry about that. It would be for your whole life. And um, it doesn't really have an end period. It's, it's either when the policy lapses or you pass away, the policy pretty much ends. Um, and it does have equity in the policy. It has cash value. It builds up over time. And it's through a, if it's through a mutual insurance company, the mutual insurance company, they're using those premium dollars to invest in real estate in the bond market. They make money with that money. And then if it's mutual, they give the dividends or profits back to the policy owners as opposed to a stock-owned insurance company. Stock-owned insurance company would give the dividends or profits back to the shareholders. So we're talking about mutual and whole life insurance. So the policy grows over uh, over the years, but now it has to be. It can't just be any whole life insurance from any mutual company. There's another layer too. It has to be properly structured. So what I mean by that is, for every dollar you invest into uh, or, or deposit into the account, a lot of times it goes into base life insurance or the basic life insurance. That's the actual cost of insurance. And if you're funding a whole life insurance policy with only base dollars, it's going to go only towards a death benefit and a very small amount will go towards cash value. So in order to really turbocharge or supercharge the infinite banking concept, you have to add a paid up additions rider. It's a separate piece to the whole life policy. And instead of back to the example of like putting in like $10,000 a year into the base, you'd want to split like a 50-50 split. So half of every dollar you put in, goes towards the base of the life insurance and the other half goes towards the paid up additions rider. Now you can actually experience the growth, uh, turbocharging the growth of the policy. Right. So a lot of people, Sari, put up uh, their hands and say, no, 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 I don't want to have anything to do with life insurance. But I think what you're saying here is that we are not using the life insurance necessarily for the death benefit. We're using it for the living benefit. 
Is that accurate? Correct. Exactly. Okay. Mainly for the living cash value while you're alive. The government, the IRS won't allow us to buy life insurance just for the living benefit. So you're talking about the cash value. So we want, in other words, the smallest amount of death benefit possible in the largest amount of cash value. Is that your strategy? Correct. Yeah. Usually, typically, depending on the age and company and, and other factors, typically a 50-50 split is good between the base life insurance and the paid up additions rider. Does that 50-50 split change based on somebody's age or is that across the board normally a pretty good metric? It's a good metric. Some products already are designed to have high early cash value. So you only, you would only need like an 80 80-20 split, 80% towards the base and 20% because the product itself is designed for high early cash value. Okay. I've got a list of other questions here for you, but before we move on, uh, are there any other riders that you can put on these type of policies that would benefit the client? A lot of riders already come with like a accelerated death benefit rider, which is you can pretty much use that. For example, let's say you've been funding the policy, you are 70 years old and you need to go to a nursing home. Um, instead of liquidating your assets or you know, using cash, you can use a death benefit. Let's say your death benefit at that age is like a million dollars. You can use a portion of that for long-term security. Right. Yes, we've talked about a lot of this stuff on our show in the past, especially the early episodes. So you might want to go back and look at those. But this is just building the base of knowledge where we are. And this is an interesting concept. So why does somebody do this? You've said that geopolitical reasons of if something happens in the market somewhere else, it could affect us today. But what are some other reasons why somebody would want to use a bank on yourself and use a life insurance policy to have your own personal bank to, to take loans out for yourself? Why, why else would somebody be interested in that? Yeah, so there's, there's two reasons. Uh, one reason is uh, if you... Over the, years, over the years of building up a whole life policy for the cash growth, what you can do is you can experience an arbitrage within your money. And what that means, for example, is let's say you have $100,000 in cash value, right? And you come across a business opportunity that requires you to invest $50,000 into it. Uh, you have a couple options. One of the options, you can go to the insurance company, the mutual insurance company, which you're a part of, borrow $50,000 from that company. Now you're not subtracting fifty thousand from your one hundred thousand dollars cash value. You're borrowing against it. So while you're borrowing that fifty thousand and paying back simple interest at five percent, you're earning compound interest on your one hundred thousand dollars as if you never touched the money. So depending on how exactly you pay it back, but let's say you pay it back over five years, and let's say you paid back a total of three thousand dollars of interest to the insurance company. You borrowed fifty, you paid back fifty-three thousand over five years your policy would have grown by like 165000 over the course of five years, for example. So now there's an arbitrage or a split within borrowing money and paying the policy back. So your policy would have grew by $12,000 over five years, but you borrowed that money. So let's say with that initial investment of 50000 outside, let's say it was in real estate, you made money on the real estate property and you made money within the whole life policy. Okay. This is exactly what banks do. Banks fund uh, whole life insurance with billions of dollars. They borrow from that, use that to loan out via credit cards, mortgages, earn interest from the public, from their clients, 
and then earn interest in the whole life policy. So their money is doing two things for them at the same time. Right. So let, let me reiterate that and see if I understand. I'm a, I, I have a policy and I have $100,000 of cash value that's built up in my policy. And you jump in if I'm saying anything incorrect here. Uh, so I have $100,000 and I see a rental house, for example. I want to buy for $50,000. So I can take $50,000 of the $100,000 of cash value that my policy has grown through, grown by, and use it for that rental home to buy it. And I'm going to be charged 5% simple interest, but it's a participating loan, I think is what it's called. And so that loan is still growing as though it's still inside the policy. That 50000 is looked at as though it's still inside the policy and is growing with compound interest. And so by the time you get the money paid back, the Five, the fifty thousand plus three percent of interest, the policy would have grown to one hundred sixty-five. So at some point, you maybe could quit making those payments back to yourself. Is that right? Yeah. So you can stop making the payments back, and then if something were to happen to you, the insurance company would take that out of the death benefit. So the insurance company is collateralizing the loan based off of the cash value and the death benefit. Um, but yeah, you you explained that perfectly. That's okay. correct. Okay. Pretty much the the point of it is. Uh, your money continues to compound and grow even when you use it. Okay. So if, imagine if you were a real estate investor and you, you were earning, let's say, 3% interest somewhere, or 5% interest somewhere, and then you deducted the, that, those funds to buy a property, you've just interrupted the growth of that money. You no longer right. earn interest on money that's no longer in that account. Yes. But with the infinite banking concept, you borrow against that from happening. So your money continues to grow, continues to compound even when you're using it. Right. So the, the word that comes to mind when I hear that is leverage. You're leveraging your money. It's, it's, it's double working. It's working to buy that rental home, and it's working inside the policy, right? Exactly, yeah. Okay, good deal. Uh, I know we've gotten into this a little bit, but any other businesses that come to mind that could benefit from something like this that you could think of off the top of your head? Yeah, I definitely think this would work perfectly for businesses that have a delay between earning income and their expenses. Like for example, uh, paying taxes, if you pay annually or if you pay other bills on an annual basis, pretty much if you have the ability to hold cash within your business, this will be perfect because you could use those funds. And of course, with the direction of your accountant and lawyer, uh, you could use those funds to deposit into the whole life policy, wait as long as possible to pay your bills and then earn interest on that money while it's sitting in the account. So I think that'll be a perfect fit for the business that's able to do so, of course. Right. And you, you know, the story I've always heard coming up in the business is, you know, when you need a loan, you go down to the bank and, uh, and oftentimes when you need a loan, you have to go through a bank underwriting process. And if you don't have enough assets or enough collateral, they might not give you the loan. But with this, we cut the bank out and the banker out of the equation, right? And so we're using our own money so we don't have to depend on somebody else, whether it's our credit worthiness or whatever the case may be. We don't have to worry about that. So we're insulating ourselves from that kind of risk, right? Right, yeah. There is no financial underwriting involved with the loan process. They'll give you the loan um, no matter what's, what's happening with your credits or anything like that. And also, no matter what's happening in the economy, it's guaranteed liquidity. Okay. So going back to my illustration, let's say, God forbid, I had that $50,000 out on loan and I pass away. I've got that other $50,000 in there. What, what happens? What do my beneficiaries receive? They would receive whatever the death benefit is or how does that work? 
Yeah, so if you had a, so, so the original example was $100,000 in cash value, you borrow 50000 against that. If yes. you have 100000 in cash value, your death benefit is probably going to be like a million, maybe a little bit over a million. So they would just deduct 50000 the outstanding loan and interest from the death benefit. Okay, gotcha. Okay, what are some tax advantages to this? Are there any? Yeah, so one tax advantage is the growth of the of the policy of the cash value grows tax deferred. So you don't have to claim those the growth on your money uh, on the cash value every year. It grows tax deferred. In most situations, not every situation, but in most situations, the use of the funds, either as a load or withdrawal, are usually tax-free because you've paid with after-tax dollars to deposit into the policy. So when you take that money out, it's tax-free, even if there are gains. Yes. Only situations really where it's not tax-free in the money is if you have, for example, a single premium policy, like a one-time payment of $500,000, no additional premiums. That would be a, a modified endowment contract or a max policy. And then the gains on that would be taxable. If you, as a loaner, would draw all the gains on that would be taxable. Right. But in almost 100% of situations, the death benefit, whether it's a modified endowment contract or not, the death benefit is income tax-free. Right. So there's a process. What you're saying is the IRS, there's a process that the IRS outlines of how you have to fund these policies. And so if we foul that up, we lose some of the tax benefits, I think is what you're ultimately saying, right? Yeah, exactly. Yes. Okay. Um, Have you read uh, David McKnight's The Power of Zero? Are you familiar with that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Good good reference. So what you could do is you pretty much let's say you're in the 25% tax bracket, you pay taxes on that deposited into the whole life. Now you're in the 0% tax bracket. And when taxes go up in the future, which I definitely think they will go up and what the book talks about is how they, taxes, the taxes will go up, you're protected now. You created a hedge against the increase of taxes. So if you're in the 0% tax bracket and rates go up from 25% to 30% in your tax bracket, you protect yourself from the, from the uh, inclination of taxes. Right. So many people have saved in their tax-deferred accounts, like their 401ks and IRAs, and uh, the the Apple card will be upset, I think, when tax rates have to go up. Did you see that we just crossed over $27 trillion of debt as a country? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's a, that's a problem. So we can use this strategy for, for that as well with helping mitigate some of our tax rate risk. And uh, any other purposes or functions that you can think of offhand? Yeah, and then in most states, again, check with your attorney, but in most states, the cash value of a whole life insurance is protected from creditors and, and predators and people trying to sue you. Um, there's, there's rules around it, of course, but on a, from a general sense, the cash that's, that's in the whole life policy is treated differently than cash sitting in a checking account or savings or money market or CD. So you do have additional layers of protection from outside creditors and predators um, in the whole life policy, and you also have the other benefits, the guaranteed liquidity, the growth of the money, so it's protected, it's locked up, but it's also liquid at the same time. Right. So if you're in some sort of high-risk business where you could be sued, or some, or if you're a high-net-worth individual, this could be really applicable to you. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. Well, what else could you tell our listeners that uh, would be beneficial? Anything else, or how would you summarize what we talked about here? Yeah, yeah. I think the most beneficial part about the infinite banking concept or the, or the bank on yourself concept is that it's not an either or product. It's not either, you know, you invest in real estate or you invest in the stock market or you use full life insurance. It's like a both and integration. So you can fund the whole life policy, build up the cash value, and then use the cash for whatever you want. 
there is no restrictions on what you can use the money for. You can use the money to invest in real estate, invest in the stock market. So I think that's really important. The key thing for people to know is that it's not either or. You don't have to make the decision of choosing one or the other. You can use it for multiple purposes, multiple purposes with the same money that you're funding the whole life policy with. So in other words, you have liquidity. So if there's this real estate deal that you think you might have or, or something like that, that isn't necessarily a reason to not use this. Or if you've got a block of money that's just sitting there uh, and you're waiting for a deal, that that's not really a good excuse to not do this is what you're saying, right? Yeah, exactly. Yep. Right. Okay. Some investors might say, you know, if I'm going to only earn, you know, 5 to 6% interest in the whole life policy, I could use that money in real estate investing and earn 8 to 10%. And then I would say exactly you should do the 8 to 10% using the funds from the whole life policy. That way you make money on the real estate deal and your money is still growing in the whole life policy. Right. So the, the purpose for this, though, is to have it your whole life, correct? Or is this something that people could have for a portion of their life and then get away from later? Yeah, yeah. So you can, so it can be whole life. It can be funded with one payment, a single premium payment, which of course we mentioned is a, is a modified endowment contract. So a one-time payment, it can be funded over seven years or 10 years or 20 years. You can control the frequency of the payments. Um, but, it, but either way, if you did pay off the whole life policy, it would still be in place for your whole life. The cash value would still be there. The death benefit would still be there. And it would grow, grow uh, regardless of market conditions, both the cash value and the death benefit will grow. Right, right. And certainly a uh, very loving thing to do for your family, having that life insurance that could uh, help your family treat tremendously potentially, right? Of course, yeah. You continue your, your legacy and, and you convert over your, your wealth to the next generation on a tax-favored basis. Right. And as you said, uh, something to talk to your attorney about, but typically this bypasses probate. And so it's a, it's a way to get some estate planning done and almost control dollars from the grave, essentially, right? Right. Correct. Exactly. Yeah. Well, good deal. Any closing thoughts or, or anything before we let our folks go? Yeah, actually, if, uh, if listeners want to reach out, I can send them the Bank on Yourself book, the Revolution book. I can send it to them uh, via Kindle for free. They reach out. It's like a bonus gift for listening to this podcast. Great. Tell them how to how to get in contact with you. So if they go to finassetprotection.com, it's F-I-N, assetprotection.com. There's a link for uh, schedule a free appointment. And if you schedule that free appointment, I'll send you the book for free okay. via Kindle. Great. Well, I really appreciate you coming on here today. I know our listeners will get a lot of benefit out of this, and I appreciate your time. Thank you, David. Well, that's our show for today, folks. I appreciate you listening in. We are honored that you would take a few minutes to listen to our show. You know, what I really like about the bank on yourself concept and what I've shared with you in past episodes is the tax advantages that come with using permanent life insurance. It doesn't take much research to see that America's finances are not doing so well. We're adding up debt like nobody's business. We just crossed over $27 trillion of debt. And if folks have positioned their finances to insulate themselves against a rising tax rate environment, they are going to be benefited in the future. So I'd encourage you to check out that book that Siri told you how to get. And if you have any questions or would like to speak, you can always reach me by calling 864-618-4800 or you can email me at david at clientsexcel.com. Talk to you next week.
Investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through AE Wealth Management, LLC. AE Wealth Management and Clients Excel are not affiliated companies. Investing involves risk, including potential loss of principal. Any reference to protection, safety, or lifetime income generally refer to fixed insurance products, never securities or investments. Insurance guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims-paying abilities of the insuring carrier. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only. It's not intended to be used as the sole basis for financial decisions, nor should it be construed as advice designed to meet particular needs of an individual situation. Clients Excel is not permitted to offer, and no statement made during this show shall constitute tax or legal advice. Our firm is not affiliated with or endorsed by the U.S. government or any governmental agency. The information and opinions contained herein provided by third parties have been obtained from sources believed to be reliable, but accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed by Clients Excel. The use of logos and or trademarks of podcast hosting sites are the property of their respective owners and are not an endorsement by those owners of our firm or our program.